At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have opportunity of welcoming special guest Marlene Pardo to the show. Marlene is a native Miamian and an author of fiction and nonfiction books. She's also the producer, host, and narrator of the paranormal talk show, Stories of the Supernatural, and the podcast shows, Nightshade, Diary, Supernatural, Storytime, and the blog author of Stranger Than Fiction. She appeared in season one, episode one of the Paranormal Paranormal Survivor, which presently airs on Destination America and Netflix, and season one, episode 12 of Haunted Hospitals, which airs on the Travel Channel. Her nonfiction books are Haunted History of the Old Wests, Wicked Ladies, and the bad hombres they loved, the lady in the blue kimono, kimono, film noir murders, and supernatural safety. Her first fiction book, Walker Between the Worlds, book one of the Sibby Chronicles, a dark supernatural fantasy, was released October of 2019. This was followed by three books in the Sybil Chronicle universe, Diabolique, The Path to Purgatory, book two of the Sybil Chronicles, and The Dead Cast No Shadow. March 2020, she released I've Come for My Girl and Two Other Dark Tales, Winter Shade Stories Book One, a young adult horror anthology. All her books are available on her website or Amazon. Marlene holds a Master of Science degree in Human Behavior and Health. She's also a certified master hypnotist and considers herself a subconscious behaviorist and has a private practice for many years. At one time, she worked as an investigator for a state-level agency that shall remain unnamed, and she founded Miami Ghost Chronicles in the 1990s and considers herself one of only a handful of hardcover paranormal investigators who work under what she calls the dungeon approach, which is little or no reliance on technology to research the unseen world of the paranormal. Marlena's worked mainly with research groups in Florida, but she's also assisted other organizations and private clients across the country. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Marlene to the show. 
Welcome to the show, Marlene. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I love being here. And that bio, I mean, I'm like, wow. Here's <laughs> <laughs> like, you were having this conversation, like, you know, we, we need to be recording this. That's what we just did. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we were just enjoying ourselves. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This is too much fun. We need to yes. put this on tape because of our connect, like, just connecting like this and talking about these awesome, amazing topics. And you know what? I feel like my, you have your own podcast. Yes. Uh, how do you do it all? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Thank. Well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna date myself again. Once upon a time, when you had you used to have what was it? The, those date books, the uh, you know the the paper ones. Yeah, the actual the one that you thumb oh through and put God, your friends under the there was alphabetical a, there was order. A, there was a brand. What was it? Uh, date whatever. You know, one of those things. I used to back then when you know before we had all these apps with calendars and then the pump pilots and I used to be always walking around with one of those things. Like if I lost it, I'd lost my life, which is oh, basically yeah. my address book and my calendar. But bottom, what you're asking is a planner. Yeah, a planner. I remember <laughs> those. Like yes. People are probably the younger members listening to this audience are like, who, what? what, what yeah, what? You mean, you mean, there was no, no phones, you know, and it was the planner and stickies. <laughs> planner and if you and lost stickies. that, forget it. Yeah, well, you're in trouble. It'd be like, oh, but yeah, that's really, and even then, once you get used to that, um, that's really organization. I hate to say it. It's uh, one of those things. Otherwise, you end up pulling your hair out because, uh deadlines, you know, and also, you know, what you do for a living helps. It just helps to keep you sane. Um, and even now that, that that's the way it works as far as just to keep, believe it or not, it's to block out your free time. Also, it's like, man, I don't have to do anything on that day. Well, that's, you know, and make sure you have enough, you know, like, what was that play hard or, you know, work, work hard, hard, play play hard. hard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing your, your presence with us today. I consider it a gift for our audience. And so what, one of the things I want to ask you is when did you first start writing creatively? Since I was 12 years old. Okay. I believe it or not, this was, um, I ended up getting, you know, those little manual uh, typewriters. I've, I've always been a reader. First of all, I've always been a reader. Once by the time I was seven, which is where you're really picking up on the reading thing. I remember I used to hassle my mom to take me to a local library and where I lived in Hialeah, John F. Kennedy Library, once a week, and they would let you take out, the maximum was 10 books, and I would hassle my mom to take me. So I was always reading. That's, that's I think, is the, I know there's some other people going to say out there, no, not really, but most writers, I find that they're readers. They like to read. They love to read. And then by the time I was 11 or 12, I got one of those little manual uh, typewriters and I was clacking away. <laughs> and I, uh, as a matter of fact, the, one of my books is dedicated to my mom and my grandmother because wow. they both kind of like said, good, you know, like They're super they, proud they, of you. They super didn't talk you. you out of it. Like, why are you wasting your time? That's super proud of you. Right. And then as I grew uh, older, I, you know, I kept on writing, but you know, that thing about life gets in the way, you know, you grow up you know, you become a teenager. Yes. Um, and, uh, and then you got to make a living and, you know, you are always writing in the background, but not with the, how can I tell you, not the perseverance or the goal where, Hey, I want to have this done by this date because you know, you have kids. <laughs> sure. You have other life pressures that take priority like that. at that point in time. And, um, yeah. and um, I want to say that really I got into writing like maybe 10 years ago 
when I also let myself off the hook because I, I also was these, these people where you're thinking, I'm going to write the great American novel. Hello. You know, if that's very nice, but setting the bar at that height, that's like, I've realized that sometimes it's the guarantee excuse why you don't try because if you can't produce that, you're thinking, well, why, why try? Why, why start it? So I start, it's like, okay, Marlene, you're not going to write the next, the great American novel. Let's start with a short story. That's the way it works. And again, fear of rejection, which most of us don't like, which is totally, I put this out. Are they going to (laughs) go? You're like, but that's not meant to be a comedy, you know, that kind of thing where nobody likes to get rejected. But now look at that. You overcame your fear of rejection and look where you are. You get older, your skin toughens, it thickens, you know, it does. It's like scar tissue. <laughs> when you deal yes. with life challenges, yes. your skin gets yeah. tougher because of your setbacks and disappointments. Yeah, and, and you're you know. like, realize the world's not going to end. I'm not going to die if somebody doesn't like it or is critical or whatever. It is what it is, right? It is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what is your favorite literary work that you've created so far and why? Oh, oh God. I, I want to say the Sybil Chronicles, which is a, it's, it's a fact, it's, it's fiction. It's fiction. It's a dark fantasy fiction. Uh, because even though I try to put history in it, actual events, I do do the research because I interplay backgrounds and historical figures into the story. And for me personally, there's nothing worse than reading something that's supposed to be have some type of history and it's not accurate, even though it's a fantasy. <laughs> it's like that didn't happen that way. But so, yeah, the, the, the research as far as to make it historically accurate and if I'm going to put a historical figure in there, be true to that, but at the same time, using my imagination, which is what you could do with fictional characters, especially a fantasy one, which is you can do whatever you want with them, you know, as far it's as gotta help, right? I mean, motivations, uh, things like that. And it makes you exercise your imagination as far as, okay, I want to go with this, but I got to make it reasonable. I, I got to make it part of my story. I just can't so yeah, it it makes you develop your writer's muscles when you try to do both things. Um, and I would say of that, that's the one that that I would say I'm proudest of right now so far. Tell us about your paranormal talk show, Stories of the Supernatural. Okay. Um, when you get into this paranormal work and you've been doing it for a long time, you, people know you and you know people. And mo- you'd be surprised. I, I've gotten phone calls from people that I was like, well, you do. And after a while, I realized um, that uh, besides also that it's, it's facilitated the way things have come about. Once upon a time, the only way you could get something like this was if you were basically, I want to say, but the only one that really originated was Art Bell, you know, who was doing this out of his house, a grump, <laughs> Nevada, you know, but even then, and then, you know, of course, his format was so popular that he was picked up by radio stations, but that was the exception rather than the rule. So after a while, you know, let's fast forward into, you know, recent years where it was, it got facilitated through podcasting and, you know, that basically all you needed was a microphone and, and you don't even need a camera if you're just going to do strictly podcast. And I realized, man, there's a lot of interesting people out there and, I also like to always talk to is everybody gets caught up, especially with the people that you see on TV all the time, the well-known uh, paranormal, oh, yeah. you know, 
And I was like, God, I know so many paranormal investigators are, which are really investigators. These people really are going out there and encountering dark stuff and sometimes not at all. And you never hear about them. Uh, and I said, you know, I want to bring, I want to interview those people. And I want people to hear that wow. a lot of these paranormal investigations is not what you see on TV. <laughs> Sometimes it's totally different or darker. I, I would say this. I, I love what you're sharing with us because this is the real life perspective of things. Plus you've been on TV. So you see both sides of it. Yes. You've been in front of the camera. Yes. I, I, let me go there first. What was that like? For example, when we did the recording for uh paranormal survivor which we were on the first episode of the first season first episode of that we flew up to uh to detroit to michigan and we went to this old farmhouse and i want to say at the end of the day on screen we were 15 minutes because as you know they interview the real person and then they put the part that's being played by actors yes so maybe for 15 minutes worth of our time we spent the entire day there and (laughs) Shifting, they had gone to an old barn. They found an old farmhouse, by the way. And um, they put us in the barn. It was really nice. It was very, you know, but you, it, people have no idea. Um, and basically, we were static. It wasn't like we were moving around. Uh, the camera work, the light work, this, that. Uh, there's a lot behind the scenes that goes into producing just a few minutes. How does that, I mean, because the funny and thing There's a lot that's is, edited, by the way. There's a, a lot, lot of people- they, yeah, you flip through the channel and you know you're casually watching it and you're thinking that's the way it happened in real time. You're not no, even thinking no, no, no. that they there was a production team and all these other people. It really was like I want to say that it was an 80-20. I want to say that about uh 80% of what we talked about was edited out and they only used about 20% to to connect the story. You know what I'm saying? To move it along. How but much they, of it reflects what was actually done then versus what got edited? It, it was pretty accurate, but and I understand that they're what they're trying to do is also convey the story uh, dramatically, as in with the actors. I understand mm-hmm. that because it's better than if I'm there talking about yeah. But it, so I, you know, I see it from I'm not the producer or the director, but um, in other words, interviewing us was it's just to bring validity to it, the story. Versus then otherwise, it's just a TV program. But You're if right you see the that. real people, it's supposed to be like, this really did happen to these people. Um, but yes, a lot of work goes in there and editing. And, and, and it was like, the lower that light. No, bring it up. And I'm seeing something <laughs> right in the back. And I was like, what? I mean, you, know? you couldn't be scared. There's more people there than. <laughs> no, no, that no, wasn't. It was, it, 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 uh, it, there's a lot of uh, work involved in that. And, um, and uh, the other one that I did, I went to Canada for that. And same thing, you know, they edit out a lot. And I know they're trying to streamline it. And um, there was a couple of times where, you know, it was like, don't smile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, pretty much to pretty accurate. Um, they, they kind of like, can we do this? Can we say that? And I said, okay, you know, because it really wasn't changing the, the story in and of itself. But was that uh, the paranormal survivor at a haunted hospital? You haunted hospital, both okay. of them really, but they were pretty accurate to the thing. And I know that, see, they're, they're seeing it as in, what are we going to do with the um, part, which is not you, you know, how, when we tell the story with an actor, you know, doing this, doing what you're describing, how's that going to work from that end? Um, but yes, people don't realize with a lot of these paranormal shows, 
they got to make it interesting. So a lot of well, times they massage they, things. I'm putting that nicely. <laughs> massage? It sounds they very therapeutic. It sounds very yeah, therapeutic. Well, uh, <laughs> they massage things like, um, like you were scared, right? It's like, yeah, but but really scared. I was like, okay, yeah, I was really scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's like, you know, things like that. Um, I watch one of those where they have the equipment. I don't know if it's ghost. I, I give them props. Mm-hmm. I was actually at a hotel in Alabama and their their team was up there. So I got to see right. their trucks and stuff. That was the closest I ever gotten to a paranormal investigation show. But I find it interesting because when I watch that show or I watch the derivations of it, how dramatic right. they make it seem when they're waiting for the results. Go to the commercial. Come back. Oh, and of it's course, like, because they want you they to gotta, come they back gotta after keep that you. commercial. Yeah, yeah. They, that cliffhanger that... You know, you hear the sound and the noise. It's like, it's like, man, I and then it turns out, you know, it was a cat walking in the back. It was like, oh, all right. OK, <laughs> we keep following it forward all the time, you know, and it's like um, and and again, you know, we look at it. Part it's of entertainment. I mean, they want to they want to keep you coming back. They want you to say, hey, you know what? Even after five minutes worth of commercials, I'm going to come back because I need to find out what if that really that noise. Goes. Yes, that noise. Of course, they play the dramatic music, which doesn't help any, you know, but well, it does. Think of it this way. If something was real and really happened and was really documented on tape, you wouldn't be finding out about it on cable TV like that. You'd be seeing it on breaking news, right? It would be something like. Or they would, oh. they would have, uh, they would probably say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to make a special uh, episode out of this one. We're going to, we, we got to. <laughs> They'd milk it for everything they could out of it. Yeah, it wasn't, that's not going to, it's not going to be a regular, you know. And, um, and that's one of the things also, Jason, that, I, you know, people say, you know, People don't understand when, especially with these shows where it's a weekly thing, not, you know, actual paranormal investigations. They've got uh, a team that basically vets the cases that they're going to go to. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Either not enough drama or too much. You know, they try to find somebody that unusual, interesting, but Goldilocks just right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, not too hot, not too cold. Basically, they do all the legwork. And the reason why I say this is in true paranormal investigations, you get to some places and it's boring, there's nothing. Or the whole opposite, you get yourself into these scenarios where you're like, I need to get my team out of here like quick. Um, you know, you come across clients that they've uh, mental illness, um, especially in recent years where they, you, you better find something that's haunting this place, right? And you're like, but I don't know yet. And, you know, you, you realize that... Um, that yes and one thing is you could interview somebody over the phone like in a pre-interview and this person sounds very rational <laughs> and then you get there and you're like oh no and, um, <laughs> they have a aluminum foil hat on <laughs> oh I, I one time i tell the story one time we were we were coming and we had met we, you know we all we were coming from like three different team members but we were coming from different you know and so before we go in we said let's wait till everybody arrives and I was the one that had done the pre-interview with the client. And one of them goes in, she goes, she comes back and she goes, you know, there's some mannequins in the living room sitting on the, on the couch and everything is in black and white. And we're like, what do you mean mannequins? We're thinking, well, you know, like, you know, like maybe these people are in the clothing industry and, or they've got a store. She's like, no, no, no. They're posed. One of them is sitting down on the sofa. And the other ones like, you know, like got the like the two women, you know, like their their hand, like they're real people like posed. I was, we were like, what? What was that? 
Well, we weren't, we were still holding out like- Or did you run out of the door? No, we were like, okay, but- you know, when you, and by the way, this was a very nice neighborhood, very, you know, it would, it wasn't like, but it was like, okay. And, um, we were, again, we were, I was holding out, you know, we're going to go in there and they, they're, they're, they're designers. I don't know. They own a clothes shop, something, whatever. And somebody wanted to, you know, no, these were, first of all, you went to the house, everything was black and white, which is, I don't have a problem with that. Everybody decorates however they want. It was different. The, the mannequins were dressed in black and white and there were, they were used, by the way, there was, this was not, I tell people, this was not an avant-garde uh, artistic <laughs> expression of I'm going to pose, you know, my work of art are two mannequins. We never, you know, and you don't know they were there posed. And it was like, it was, it was a really creepy feeling. And later on the investigation I had other things going on with it, but um I want to say that those are the kind of things as a paranormal investigator that you look at <laughs> because, you know, sometimes you, you, you know, it's, in other words, it's not only um, what you could encounter on a metaphysical level, but also the, the life people, you got to be careful with that. Sometimes I don't, I don't yeah. want to say it's common, but yes, you can run well, into surprises. Wait, when you said mannequins in my head, <laughs> I thought Annabelle, <laughs> but large well, versions can you imagine, you know, the older type of mannequins, store mannequins that, you know, that you see posed in windows, which are very like they're dolls. I mean, they're very, you know, the arms and like that. Yeah, I remember they're, it would, they, they're kind of creepy looking if you're yeah. the, for the creep factor, especially it depends if you see them in the window or in a store, it's just a mannequin. But when you see them posed in somebody's living room, dressed with the same decor as the rest of the house, it kind of gives you a weird vibe, kind of. <laughs> I would be thinking, what scene of that horror movie are we talking about? Right, exactly. <laughs> right before like, everyone gets killed yeah. in the back corner, and they the run into the back. The paranormal group was when they pulled up in front of the house at so-and-so <laughs> or some of those deals, you know, if you want to let your imagination go in that direction. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's one of those things, again, where paranormal work is not accurately portrayed sometimes when you see shows. It's sensational. to it. Yeah, sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's more exciting than you want it to be. Um, and then there's also that's we're talking here on a, on a physical level. Then there's also metaphysical sure. uh, problems that you can run into as far as if you've got something malevolent or non-human in the uh, energy, something that's going on there, which you, by the way, do not know until you get there sometimes. So you might, and you might pick up on stuff no one else senses. And I want to ask you about your, your, your methodology, because well, during my intro, I talked about it and. I wanted to see if you could just describe for our audience, like how that factors in, in terms of your, your hardcore paranormal investigation approach, uh, well, you can kind of describe that compared when, to what we see on TV. That, like I told you that story about that. I would sometimes see some, because you have to understand sometimes you could be called in on investigation and it could just be residual. There's nothing active. It's just maybe something that happened a lot and there's no intelligence. It's benign. And, uh, but like I said, when I lived at that house, which my son lives at now, and I would see that going back and forth, that was one of my tip-offs. Not only is there something there, it is intelligent. But if we take that out of the picture, um, I've, I want to say that as soon as I pull up in front of a house, it's almost like, you know, when, you know, when a dog rushes up to greet you, you feel yes. that coming right up to you. Okay, that's what right like up to energy. You. Yes. And you feel it. And it's like 
And wow. And it's just like, and I want to say for lack of a better word, it's like all over you. Um, <laughs> you know, like when somebody's like, you know, like when an animal comes up to you, I'm going to use the, the, the example of a dog. You know how when a dog meets you and they want to sniff you and they want to check you out and they want to like, mm, who are you? Good, bad. You know, they're, it's almost that kind of feeling that you're being. And, um, and that in and of itself is not because it's malevolent. I'm not saying it's just that all of a sudden it, when you're getting like that, you, it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. Oh, and sure. then again, you, um, and, and I described this to you earlier before that sometimes depending on the age of the place that you're going to, you have to go through layers of what is an active uh, paranormal entity versus just the fabric of that place. What was going on with families, people who live there, if it was a, a business, you know, the comings and goings, because that etches itself. Uh, and I, you know, you could even have painted and read. There's still something that gets uh, imprinted. For sure. So you have to like pull it back to say, okay, that's just an impression. That's just a memory uh, to get to, is there something, I don't want to say, it sounds funny to say something sentient if it's dead, but when <laughs> it's sentient, but active or intelligent here uh, based on what this client is telling me. Now, I will tell you the difference between investigating in the 90s and investigating. By the time they contacted you in the 90s, the last thing these people wanted to do was deal with a haunting. <laughs> they had, they, you know, it's not like now, like I tell people, you know, you got a pigeon in your attic and everybody runs out of the house and sleeps in the car because they're sure it's, it's a so ghost, nuts. right? And it's not, it really, it's, sometimes it's an animal that's gotten stuck or something that became dislodged. Nobody, nobody goes to investigate. Back in the 90s, people did, they, they didn't, they wouldn't immediately go to the, it's a ghost, I'm haunted. <laughs> they would like go in there, they would look, you know, by the time they got to you, uh, they had gone through the uh, possible plumbers, electricians, and unfortunately clergy, which would turn them away a lot of times, or not turn them away, but downplay it almost. And, uh, you know, we would ask, well, you know, what, what's happened? And they would say, well, you know, they didn't believe me. And I said, you know, and by the way, when I say clergy, I, it, different denominations, it's not sure. anyone in particular. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, no, they don't, you know, I told them and they don't believe me. I said, no, they believe you. No, 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 they don't believe. I said, yeah, they believe you. And they'd look at me like, what are you talking about? I said, they believe you, but they're afraid. They're afraid that if they actually, that they would have to come here and deal with this. You did the right thing. You know, if you have something that's a spiritual problem in the sense of a hunting, you went to the right, you went to the guns, you know, the, the clergy, you're, yes. how does that figure if this person who supposedly, um, this is their area of expertise, is afraid to confront white might be a ghost or whatever. So it's just easier. What are they going to tell you? I'm sorry. I believe you, but I'm really scared to go over there and confront <laughs> whatever that might be versus telling you, well, you know, are you sure? Yeah, it might be, uh, you know, they kind of make you feel like, like, you know, you're kind of dumb or stupid or Absolutely. you're misinterpreting. <laughs> I say they believe you. They be As a matter of fact, I'm positive they believe you. They look at me and I go, they believe you. I said, they just don't want to tell you they're scared. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, back in 2016, 
the lead exorcist for the Catholic Church died, which was of Father Amaroth. And um, there was an article that talked that of all these newly minted priests coming out of um, the seminary, they would try to tap some of them to become exorcists. And guess what? Nobody Nobody wanted it. No. They want to be a priest as in, I I, want to help, you know, I want to have a parish and, uh, you know, people come to you with problems, my kids, my marriage, my whatever. That's the fine. normal nine to five stuff, not the uh, stuff yeah. requiring special training and spiritual right. warfare, I guess you could say. Or, or right. And they were tapping these young yeah. priests because so that they could get special training as, as, as exorcists. Okay. And these, they're like, uh-uh, <laughs> nope. This. Have you, in your career, and it sounds like you've seen a lot of interesting things between uh-huh. you know, just your life. It just sounds amazing to me to hear your story. Oh, it, it is. It's amazing. Uh, what have you ever witnessed a direct, uh, strong, I, let me rephrase my, my question, actually in your, in your career, what has been the most poignant example of your encountering spiritual activity that you were kind of shaken by at first, but you acclimated to and then handled the situation, but it really shook you at first. Cause it was like, this isn't my standard, what I'm accustomed to. Well, there's two. There's, I mean, there's several, but one is as an investigator and another one as a hypnotist, as a hypnotherapist. Okay. Because one of the things I used to do in hypnosis was alternative areas of hypnosis that included spiritual attachments. Some people like to be real dramatic and call possession, but it's not really possession per se, as what people think of, because, you know, there's four levels of possession, there's obsession, oppression, you know, obsession and, you know, and out, and out possession, which is, by the way, very rare. But I'll go through the first one as an investigator. Uh, this was a few years back and it was a small team and we were doing like this older house. It was empty. Um, and when I say older, it was two story. And if anybody's familiar with older uh, houses, you know, they're narrow. Oh, yeah. You know, your like stairs are narrow. Your yeah. stairs are narrow. Your doorways are narrow because back then it's not built like modern day times where everything is expansive. Yeah. So the house was partially empty. They have very little furniture left. It was made of wood. And um, I had gone upstairs. Upstairs, there was two bedrooms and the stairs came right up and it emptied out into short hallway and you had one bedroom on either side. So I said, look, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm just going to, I'm going to take a, one of the digital recorders and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to observe, observe and see if we like, capture anything, you know, that, um, and they said, fine. And the other two people stayed downstairs. They were doing, you know, they would just, every once in a while, somebody would get assigned to do temperature reads and just, you know, whatever. And, um, I was up there and I, there was no furniture, like no chairs. And I remember I sat in the against the doorway of one of the rooms and basically i had the stairs behind me they would empty up behind me and across right i had the other bedroom which is why i sat there so that i could kind of like keep an eye on both bedrooms but (laughs) i was more inside this one than that one and i'm sitting there and the only thing they had was the uh the headboard an old headboard propped against the uh one of the walls and there was a window and i'm just sitting there and uh this is the part where they don't show in any of the paranormal shows and you're like, and it's dark and all dark? of a sudden, you know, it's like a dark outside and I don't, it's like, all I've got is ambient light coming in and I'm just sitting there, which is 
which is fine. And uh, because believe it or not, sometimes it takes a lot to stay still and just to like let your senses like. And all of a sudden, I I hear like a creak, like creak, <laughs> like on the stairs. And I'm like, okay. And one of those things that you learn as an investigator, nobody's going to contaminate uh, uh, an EVP session mm -hmm. or something. If that they, we, you know, we would have called or, you know, they would have said, hey, I'm coming upstairs or something. But you wouldn't have done it for no reason because that's, you wouldn't do that. You're wasting your time. You know, like why, you know, yeah. So I hear this, the, the wooden, it's like, oh, all right. Let's see. Ooh, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> so I'm paying attention. And um, and then all of a sudden I hear and I was like, oh God, that sounded like a step. To make a long story short, all of a sudden what it sounded was like somebody coming up the stairs and their bare feet. And anybody who knows the difference between somebody going on the stairs and bare feet versus shoes. I hear sure. something. Now this is behind me. So I'm hearing it because this stairway is behind me. Oh. And they're coming up the stairs. I hear like the, and almost like a little, it, it, the creek wasn't, it wasn't like, I want to say it wasn't like um, a creek of somebody heavy. It was like lighter, very, and that uh, barefoot thing coming up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to turn around <laughs> at some point. And at that time, the best I could hope was that I could capture it on the digital recorder. But, and then it just came up to the landing right behind me. And I said, I got to turn around. I, I, you know, it, it's almost worse not to look. And I looked, there was nothing there. And I just felt like a real cold, that cool, like cool breeze, like keep going down the rest to the, but it was a real short hallway. And I was like, okay, you know, gulp. <laughs> you know? that part's not caught on film is it <laughs> no that was the thing it was like that's the real thing though right and it was like what do you um, do you're like damn it <laughs> so i looked at the room i had and i was like you know and it was and, and at the end of the day that was only something that was auditory there was no and then I, I said, I'm going to stay here because whatever's going on, it might stay be up here. Sure enough, I want to say within not more than 20 minutes, all of a sudden, you know, that that smell that you get when a rainstorm's coming in of ionization. The misty smell? like the You know, like that smell, like thunder or lightning's mm -hmm. coming that, you know, it's going to rain yeah. in a little bit. All of a sudden, I start smelling this. But I knew there was because one of the things that you do as an investigator is you look at the weather reports because for obvious reason, it could affect you know not only when you're there but getting there so i knew there was no rain forecast there was a window on the wall on that which i could tell it's a clear night but i'm smelling that smell of ionization and i'm like this is weird and it's unmistakable again when you have an empty house where the source is obvious there's nothing there and then um caddy corner to me on the which happens to be the darkest corner across from me all of a sudden i'm looking and it's very dark and it's almost something that's darker within that darkness. I see something coming up and I'm like, you know, when you look, you blink like, man, am I really seeing this? Because when you're <laughs> looking inside the darkness, it's like, you know, something's shifting in there. Am I like, sure enough, it takes to shape the outline of a human something. I really couldn't tell at this point if it was male or female. I couldn't. 
what was really is that I was like, I know I like, I was like, like this, the digital is like, I don't know, but if anything, now what I did see was that it turned its head and it became aware of me. It went like this, like almost like it materialized and it looked and then it darted into, there was a closet, a clo- uh, closet that was closed, by the way, right next to it. And it darted in there. In most cases, do you think spirits are more afraid of encountering us than we realize? I think, okay. It depends on the type of spirit. In my experience, a lot of these spirits are, um, they're afraid of being sent away. Uh, they, it, as, as undesirable as this gray in-between area is for them, this is what they know. Some, maybe they live there or maybe they just ended up there and they just want to stay there. They just want to stay there. Like hang and out. <laughs> they're just going to hang out. Of, let now. me tell you something. A lot, you'd be surprised how many times we will find uh, in uh, an investigation where they go into attics, they go into places or cross spaces because they don't want to, they don't want that confrontation with the investigators. They're hoping you'll go away. And uh, that's basically what it was. It was like, it looked like somebody turns their head and goes like, you know, like, and it just darted wow. into that thing. And again, and I want to say that was one of the ones that, um, because sometimes things happen to you and you're like, well, oh, it's almost like questionable, even to yourself, like that could have been this, but it could have been that. And you're not really sure, but this was, there was no doubt whatsoever, whatsoever that what I witnessed or what I experienced was what I saw. It was like that, you know, and, the, and there's something there that um, almost like once you know it, because you experience it firsthand, you, it's like, you know, even if nobody else is convinced or I have no proof to provide, I know what I experienced. So, so like with that situation and that investigation you were involved in, this happened, but it wasn't able to be documented as easily because the equipment probably wasn't able to pick up. Well, no, I didn't have cameras out there. All that happened yeah. was digital. It, so, I knew that I had, remember, this was also when, see, that's the thing. Unless you're using something like a FLIR camera, some of these cameras, they need X amount of lighting. Of course, in order, the, the iPhone won't work in dark. Right, to work, to capture anything. Okay, so it was like, hopefully we were good. And it basically- the people that had lived there, what had documented was a lot of it was auditory to begin with, what they had complained about. That was one of them. And then you asked me as far as how can I say it like a firsthand in your face uh, experience or that you say, wow, OK. Um, um, one of the times I was doing hypnotherapy, I would have a lot of people come to me for the regular stuff. I want to stop smoking. I want to lose weight. I want to keep going to the gym. You know, I had a lot of weird stuff, but one of the things I would do was I would work with spiritual attachments, which is in and of itself, an alternative form of hypnotherapy. And I would have clients who would come to me and once they got to know me and I got to know them and they trusted me, then we would talk about stuff like that. And that's exactly what happened with this gentleman. He came to me to stop smoking. And we, he stopped smoking and he was very happy with the results. And uh, he came for a couple of times. He was smoking more than a pack a day. And um, then one day he tells me, Marlene, I want to talk to you about something. I said, sure. And he says, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not, I really don't have a problem with alcohol. But for a few years, 
If I go out with my friends and I have a couple of drinks, I black out and I go on a rampage. He says that one of the last times he had gone out with his friends, he says, he says, and he says, I can't remember. He says, I decimated the place. I ran across like a street. He says his friends were like saying, man, I'm, we're not going out with you anymore. We're not, you know, we're like, we can't, we, we're scared to go out with you. And he says he couldn't remember anything. Wow. You know, it's not one of these guys that passes out in the corner and talks to himself. No. Yeah. And he was, I can't remember what, I don't remember where I, and he goes, and I'm not, I, he says, I, I, I don't drink. I, on the weekdays, I don't, I'm not a crazy person. Um, and I don't know what it is. I said, okay, well, you want to do this? And he goes, yes. So I hypnotized him. And because I had already hypnotized him for the, for the smoking, I could put him down into a very deep level of hypnosis very quickly, very easily. And he trusted me. That has a lot to do with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to give you the condensed version of it. Basically, I started talking to what he had inside of him and he had a ton attachment of a non-human entity that was basically and it's really funny because normally it's it's one of those things normally i had another hypnotist that was always in there with me okay that was my other person who would explain it and if anything you know i had this one day she calls me she couldn't make it so when he calls me but since he had been my client from before i said sure come over that's okay you know how one of those like like the per- surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh, the one day that I really need this other person here but I was thinking okay you know what I've worked with him before I know who he is um I know he's not a weird guy and let's do this and um I said what's the worst maybe this you know maybe he's got some type of emotional trauma something going on. let me tell you this this guy starts I, I used to have an easy chair where I would hypnotize my clients on he, um, I, his body started to contort and his face changed and he started hissing. I mean, like, oh, it was like, and it was like, okay, Marlene, you cannot, you cannot run out of this room because you're going to face this down. It was like, he totally twisted his body in such a way that it was like, if I. <laughs> pretzel boy. <laughs> yeah. It was like. He was like, okay, you know, what, what's that thing about? Put your big girl pants on? Boy, yeah. let me tell you. I thought it was a big girl till just about that moment. Um, <laughs> it was, and I said, I can't, I can't back down from this. Luckily, the attachment he had was very low level and not that intelligent. And basically, I talked to it. You talk to it. Basically, you push this person out of the way and you talk to this entity. And um, Damn. <laughs> you're going to hear this and, and it's like, okay, where, how did you come about? Turns out you're going to say, wow, this is way out there. This guy was working in the legal field. He was studying to be an attorney, but he was already working in the legal field, handling human trafficking cases. This, and I don't know if this attachment was something that came upon him by itself or somebody did it to him to basically derail him from the work he was doing. Okay. And 
because I was like, where did this, you know, this guy is pretty normal. How did, yeah. he, get, how did he get this thing attached? This is like, this is already attached to him, which is like, how did this happen? And of all things, this is not like my dead uncle that wants to hang out with me. This is I'm a like human entity. Spiritual right. hope. Right, rages yeah. when he gets all drunk and then doesn't remember anything. And- right. Well, you know what? And, and that, by the way, that spiritual attachment sometimes it's even family members who uh, they want to protect you, and it, it's it's it involves you know an attachments if your aura is weak, whatever. But he, I was like, how did he get this thing? Thank God it was like very low level, and it was not that intelligent. <laughs> and basically, I ordered him out. I, I you got to go. And there, I mean, there's some method to doing this. Yeah. Uh, which is, but bottom line. You pop it he, like a bubble? It felt like after they left. No, it's a you, you basically, pop. you order it to leave and it's got to leave. And if not, you basically get um, on a metaphysical level helpers to take it. If it doesn't want to go or you threaten to, I'm going to expose you to the light. And it's, I mean, it's a process. It's, it's, it's a dialogue that you have with an entity of this type especially when we're talking non-human entity. But you asked me what was one of the most, that was one of those moments where I can't leave. I, yeah. I can't, and I can't, I, there's nobody, my, my you don't have a backup was either. missing. You don't have and, a backup. You're by yourself. It's like you're solo. <laughs> but no, knowing her, she would have been behind me going, Marlene, what do you need to? But still, it would have been that. If we're going down, we're going down. I've got to take a company with me you know, with, the, with that weird devil things. You know, writing and hissing at me. Um, and uh, yeah, how long did it take? I want to say like 90 minutes because you don't want to overdo it. And like I said, this thing wasn't really that high up in the hierarchy of evil stuff because you can get into some stuff that's like, and um, yes, it was. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that it, it believe it or not, it he after that whether you want to call it psychological or nothing that stopped happening to him when he went out with it, when he had a drink, well, I want to tell you something, you know, I did do past life regressions and I, I would have people ask me, Oh, is that past life regression real? I said, you know what, whether it's real or not, whether I believe it or not, I've had people that we do the regression on and sometimes they have certain phobias that he couldn't explain. And that afterwards they get better. By the way, and when they say people get better, it's not like a clap of thunder and the person's better. It's a gradual thing that all of a sudden, for example, let's say you use the, the phobia. You have no, you don't understand why. Little by little, it starts decreasing till they would sometimes contact me one, two, three months down the road. They go, guess what? I don't have that phobia anymore. That's you know? How it's, powerful. Think about that. Right now, whether you want to say, was it that you saw that past life where, where you acquired the phobia or whether it was the fact that you actually saw that in your head. If you want to say, okay, yeah, you made all that up. The results were that you overcame the phobia. So same thing in this case with, uh, with the thing, this study, you know, this uh, attachment situation with this guy. Um, I remember he was like 27. He wasn't, he was, uh, his life was going along and <laughs> it, but talk about, um, that was an unusual thing. The wrinkle, really. spiritual wrinkle you had to deal with, to say the least. Yes. Yep. And <laughs> you ironed it out. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. That was one of those like, okay, you know, uh, no, it's, it's, um, 
yeah, it's a surreal moment. It really is. Even though I was prepared for it and I had read a lot of it, there's a difference between when you read about something or you look at case studies till it's sitting in your office with you. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Okay. It's like, where are you going with that? <laughs> so how's the house? <laughs> all right. And then you go home and someone asks you, how was your day? <laughs> By the I way. Know. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like, and again, the, the, the thing that my, my, my other hypnotist that was losing, was not there. That was like, I can't believe this. It's like, what? I have to ask you this though. So yes. after that whole encounter, did you take a break for a few days or did you go right back into something else? <laughs> I had some appointments left, uh, you know, in, in, in other words, it was like, I had, you know, when people came for the regular stop smoking stuff, I was like, I could handle That's that. Passive, right. As compared but to having was an exercise like, uh, of spirit. <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, one time I had, this was, and it's really funny because I had people that would come to get hypnotized. And one time I had a gentleman come in for spiritual attachment of all things. And um, I see him, he's on crutches. He comes to the door and he's being dropped off by a taxi. But I see the taxi driver walk into the door of my office. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that's a really attentive taxi driver. I mean, so I had a very small office and I had the thing, I had my, my desk, but, and I had one chair for one person in case he wanted to bring somebody along. And I see, I see the taxi driver take a seat. And I was like, uh, who's the, the guy was so scared of being hypnotized that he was paying the taxi driver. Basically the fare was running what? to sit there and what? be like, in case something, and I said, well, you understand the confidentiality aspect of it. And the taxi drivers could be going to drive know, home I, after I, that. I can't vouch, you know, for this guy talking about anything he sees here. Like, you know, like if you want him here, fine. But confidentiality is like and the weird part, though, is then you got to get driven home by that that driver right, who watched exactly. you get hypnotized. You could tell it. though, this taxi driver, he was sitting there. You could tell this guy was there because I'm making money. Because otherwise, he he was like there, like scrunched up in the chair, like okay, like don't. Hurry up, get this over with. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I've had uh, weird, very unusual things like that uh, occur with uh, with some of the uh, the clients that come in. Um, but yeah, it, it, I've had firsthand experiences that you know, um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is something beyond what our senses can perceive. Psychic uh, senses, I call them. Yes, of course. And, but in a way, it allows us to function because I think that if we were aware of a lot of the things that do, uh, what's the word, or vibrate or, or around us, we we would be, we couldn't function. We couldn't, uh, 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 what, you, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar, you know that movie Constantine? Yes. Where he, uh, he warns the, the detective, once you see them, you know, they see you you know, one of those deals, like, yeah. in other words, as long as you're oblivious to it, they're not going to burn you. You won't see them, you're, you're safe. But once they know that you can see them, everything changes. And How does that it, I think it, people it, who are it, I think, well, you know what? I think, it, you know, because there's people that can channel the dead and there's other people that are just intuitive. I'm and, a medium, um, but I don't know if that's channeling the dead. I just can pick up on the other side very, very frequently. Um, I also do regular readings. So I'm just curious how that works in reference to, cause I pick up spiritual activity, but mm -hmm. people have asked me if I see demons and stuff. I'm like, no, I guess maybe I'm just choosing not to see it or I'm oblivious to it. That's why I don't notice it around me. Cause I notice all the other spiritual stuff. 
contrary to what people think, demon, demons, or I'm going to say non-human because They're I think rare. demonic is very, very dramatic. It's been over-dramatized. Non-human. Yeah. Let's put them into the non-human. Okay. Believe it or not, they keep a very low profile. They don't want to be exposed. <laughs> they don't. Think contrary to what was, people think yeah. that, and, and I said, I've and, and uh, I was asked recently about people that go do the confrontation provocation thing on some of these investigations. I tell them that's stupid. I said, besides the obvious, you do not know what you're provoking, what you're antagonizing. I'll tell you what, if you really do have an active haunting or supernatural, whatever going on, if you really have a dark non-human force in the background, they're going to push the human, the dead humans in front of the train, but they will see the provocation as an invitation. You know that thing about the vampire? Yeah, when you let them in. in. You want to come. And most of the time, most people extend the invitation when they're unaware that he, the, per, the vampire is a vampire. For a non human entity, a provocation is the same as an invitation. And all they're waiting for is for somebody. And then they say, hey, dead people, dead humans, get out of the way. He just invited me or she just invited me. But I'm going to say he, because most of the time, it's a it's he. Guys. It's a he. He just invited me in, which is exactly what I was waiting for. So my point being, no matter how dark the human sky spirit is that you're confronting or whatever, what you might be confronting or you're trying to basically have a fight with is might be bigger than you realize. Oh, absolutely. And then you then you've got a big big problem on your head. what do you do then if you're in over your head i guess it's just be be strategic right this you're is not where this is this don't is, dive in the deep end over there if you well, don't um i'll tell you what i i spoke one time there was a gentleman he was he had a, a group out of washington state of washington and he did something like that he went to an old um asylum you know one of these hospitals <laughs> and he did that he provoked it he confronted it he said he saw something Next thing you know, this thing followed him home. He went into a depression. His team broke up. Um, it was like one of them en ended up dying. Uh, it was like, he, basically, it was like a bomb went off in his personal life. Um, and it took him like 18 months to get out of it as far as mental-wise. And this is what people don't realize. They don't, contrary to what you see in the TVs where, you know. You get possessed. You know, but, but, or the, you know, like paranormal people get pulled out of bed. No, <laughs> you know, yeah, you've seen it. You people zoom out of bed. How about, like, how about poltergeist? You see the oh, deadly the tree attacking your killer clowns. Right. Oh, well, let me tell you something. That's, I think that's where the clown thing started. Before that, everybody <laughs> thought clowns were cute. After that, it's like, forget the clown. You know, now everybody's scared of clowns. American Horror uh, Story didn't help. <laughs> not, man. Let me tell you. Even now, I've never been scared of clowns. And every once in a while, now I look at clowns. Until like, that yeah. clown. <laughs> I know. That little clown that was on that kid when he pulls him under the bed. It was like, holy crap. Yes. Uh, let me tell you something. The, things like that, um, you know, they, um, they, they're very insidious. And then I want to use that from another title from another horror movie uh, where they, the psychological, you then you start getting the nightmares. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Psychological think, attacks. I have a theory on that. I believe that the veil between the afterlife, the spiritual realm and our reality is thinnest when we're asleep. And I mm -hmm. feel like unless you zip yourself in a protected bubble, which I do regularly at night, after yes. I pray and all the stuff I try to do for self-care psychically, right? We have self-care mm -hmm. physically and emotionally, and then there's spiritual. Yes. But 
I think the veil is thinnest in the middle of the night. And I think if you're not um, careful, you can alarm. Like when I first started out being psychic many moons ago in 2004, um, I had to leave the lights on because I wasn't used to the extra activity that I was picking up on at night when I tried yes. to sleep. Finally, I learned how to figure it all out. <laughs> I yes. created, yeah, yeah, my protected bubble or whatever I do when I sleep and I don't get inter- and I also lock my door and I I just have my own little idiosyncrasies like that. Sure. But for certain people, it's like if you're welcoming that back and if you're not really strong, intuitive, or if you don't have a grasp on what you're supposed to be doing, like that one example you brought up, mm-hmm. 18 months of, of your life just sucking doesn't sound very enticing for somebody to want to be an amateur to go out and do a paranormal investigation. It sounds like you got to bring the right support people to do so. Right. And not and, and, for the professionals. <laughs> and always um, when you don't know who your enemy is, you know, you're right. You don't underestimate them until you know exactly what you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, this is not like a human guy that you can go up to and go, hey, you, you know, what's the worst? You're going to punch each other out. Yeah. But when you don't know what you're dealing with, what you're dealing with. I mean, that's scary. Why would you want to put yourself in that position unless you're in a lot of them? So when people say that thing about the provocation, the confrontation thing and then investigations it's like. You know, first of all, either you're stupid, then you might be just provoking thin air for all you know, because there might not be anything air. You know, you could be like, it's raccoons in the attic, guys. Raccoons in the attic, you know. <laughs> and they're they're looking and they have all their the equipment set up. Hey, check that guy out down there. Oh, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like trying to pick a fight with us. <laughs> or, you know, then or it is something, you know, malevolent that just is, is waiting for you to do that so that you basically open the door for them. You basically gave them an invitation, which, by the way, that's another thing. Sometimes they take that invitation up. They take you up on that invitation months or years later. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Well, I've heard of that. So that's something. No surprises. That, no no late, no late term, term surprises. Like an investigator, on, you've year never. And if you, you know what? It, it's like, eh, uh, are you afraid? I'm not afraid. I'm careful. Because um, how can I say it? Uh, the moral compass that we all uh, have as humans, unless you're a psychopath and you don't have it, but let's say the majority of humans, that moral compass that we have is good, bad, evil, whatever, right? A lot of these entities do not have a moral compass. They don't have any pity. You can't make a bargain with them, you know, despite what everybody thinks of the devil, let's make a bargain. Some of them, they're not interested in making a bargain, they're okay. toxic. They're they, they negative have, energy. They, yeah. There's nothing that, and they're not afraid. They're they're right or wrong. Like oh, don't that, that doesn't exist. Um, and that is where people really get into. Um, uh, where you hear like a lot of, I don't want to say they use the word exorcism, but getting rid of it, it's it's uh, it's it takes sometimes months mm. to let them let go of it, uh, and. Um, that's another problem also when people go to cemeteries uh, that they don't realize there's a lot of non-human, what they call um, cemetery. Go to cemeteries. I, don't, I don't go to cemeteries. I stay out of them. I don't. Okay. There you go. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not that's afraid fine. of them. I just haven't had anyone that I know in a cemetery because my family cremates. <laughs> so. Well, you know what, but you know what? A lot of people and myself included, because I've done it where they go to cemeteries just for the, for the spookiness or because they're trying. Um, and uh, I'm, I, I, I work with, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that site, Find a Grave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I get, uh, you know, where you could put a request, like for somebody that lives in a certain part of the country to take a photograph for you, you know, especially if they're doing like family genealogy or research. Okay. 
that they ask, hey, can you go into the cemetery and take a picture or find the grave of this person and upload it so that I could I've done I work with them on that sometimes. So but besides that, before that, yes, I've gone into cemeteries for stupid reasons, as in. (laughs) But yes, you have to be really careful because uh, also if you're going in there for doing stupid stuff that can bite you in the butt. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting field. Uh, but a lot different than what you see sometimes in the reality shows. Well, and you know, I love having you come on because you can show the, you, you pull the veil back, right? From the production. It's like you could right, take, right. from it's, the two shows you're in, for example, you're able to give us details that you peel back the, the, the screen, so to speak, the curtain. Mm-hmm. And we get to peer in and have the idea of what that was really like for you. Uh, we don't get that every day. So that's like, right. Like, no, you know what? And don't, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand that some of these shows, if they really put what you find in some investigations, everybody be like, oh yeah, the crickets, you know, it's tumbleweeds. <laughs> the creek- I, 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 yeah, I understand that, that you have to get some entertainment value out of it. I totally understand it. But for those people who really think that that's really like that, it's not. <laughs> I'll ask you this, we're running low on time. Where can our audience find you? Uh, you can go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can go to MarlenePardo.com. Uh, you can find me on Amazon at my author page, Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Uh, I'm about to come out now in September with a second book of what I call Film Noir Murders, which are true, wow. all of them. Let they, me know. Uh, I'll be happy to put you back on if you yes, want to talk about it. The, it's the second. I don't know if you can see it because I know it's a second oh, book that follows up. This, this is our murders, true murders that occurred like between the 1920s to the 1950s. Um, you know, because big, you know, the Black Dolly and all those got out, but there's a lot of weird murders that never got resolved. That uh, so I'm doing book two on that called The Hot Dame on a Cold Slab. <laughs> so, so that's great. very, very film noirish. But I, I, yeah. I feel very strongly you have past life presence in your creative aspects of your writing side, and Thank also in, in terms of your enlightened abilities, you definitely have past life energy that's very strong like an old soul and i feel like for oh, me thank you when i look at past lives I, I feel like looking at yours it's it's someone who's very resourceful and you'll never fall backwards you're always landing on your feet you're like a cat with nine lives you probably felt like that throughout your lifetime because your past life was like that too you were a survivor you survived like five things that were crazy like one husband died and then another one you was an alcoholic and you made it through all these challenges and you raised three kids mm-hmm. and then you died in your 60s you know what's really funny? That it's when you say that about surviving, I do this. With, and by the way, I've done this without, I will go to places and I'm always looking how, what are the exits? How do you get out? Yes. How do I yes. get out? Yes. Isn't that funny? I, well, I feel like your past life, like, your past yeah, life, like, something like that. You, you had do a, it unconsciously. Like, um, I mean, I, I, sometimes I, I'm like, I'll sit you there. You ever had a fear of fire? Huh? No, you had no a fears fear of fire. I feel like fear in a past life, you escaped a building that was burning, but you didn't die. That's possible. That That's possible. I mean, I'm very, don't burning. get me wrong. I, I'm very respectful of fire, but yes. And I do that subconsciously. And um, you know what I'm, and I will go to any place and I will, I, I'm looking at how the streets, like if I had to get out of here or if getting lost, like if that, that right there, I want to say is one of my phobias being lost. Oh yeah. It's so yeah. confusing. Yeah. So yeah, you, you see me in places and, and, I, I mean, I can map a place anywhere. My sense of direction is great. I can map a place, but I'll go to some place and it's like, if I had to get out of here, okay, there's that exit back there and there's that exit over there and I'll look, and I do it unconsciously. It's really funny. 
you map it all out almost like hey yeah, and then it's and then once i do that it's like like i let it go like okay i don't think it's not like i sit there and i'm like but yeah it's so funny when you said that because i do do that um and i've caught myself doing it and it's like what is this guys so yes. I didn't get a chance to ask you about the Miami Ghost Chronicles. Like in terms of, is it still active or was it? It so- is and it isn't. Miami Ghost Chronicles, I was always a freelance investigator. I was always mm-hmm. freelance. And what I would do is I would work with a research team that covers the whole state of Florida. And what they would do is if it came down into South Florida or if they were short uh, of warm body, like, and I could travel there in a few hours, I would help them out. Um, I do still consult a lot with a lot of clients that will call me or leaders of teams that have been established for a while, they will call me up and we kind of brainstorm on things unofficially. And again, this field, um, you have a high churn rate. How's that? Okay. So I'm sure people burn out and they don't have, they it's, burn not, out, they, it's right? not what they thought it was going to be. They get scared. <laughs> you know, you have a lot of people that, they, that they just, they, um, and so after a while, the people that have been around for a while, you get to know who you all are, even when mo- you move. And as a matter of fact, I just got one from somebody here in central Florida wanting to go to this or because I, you know, uh, I, if there's an aspect of either, uh, Santeria or, uh, black magic, you know, out of, uh, the Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean, uh, religious practices that they're not sure about. Sure. I'll get a call from them. So yeah, it's active, but inactive. I'm still active, but it's behind the scenes. Kind of like as needed. As needed. I love that. Let me ask I you something. That. Have you have you worked with the police? I interestingly, you asked that. I when I have a best friend who's also intuitive, and she helped me kind of. Her name her, her name's Megan. She runs a, a, a metaphysical store here in Tampa. We're real close. She got me in the cool cases. I never. Yes. Food. And there's a case of Jennifer Kessie, who I picked up on her disappearance. And I sent the letter to the police department for Orlando in 2017 and documented. Mm-hmm. I channeled Jennifer with my friend. We both went to the places in Orlando and outside Orlando. We had a okay. theory. I created a theory is what I call it, because I don't claim to be 100% accurate on what I pick of course. up. But the details that we picked up on, I put it on my YouTube channel. And then I said, I did send the letter. I gave them four years before I made it public at all. I didn't reveal everything of what I picked up on. But yeah, she died. Yes, she went missing. Yes, she was kidnapped and all those factors. But yeah, that's the closest I tried with police. And one other case, um, Stacy Peterson in, in Illinois. I think that's Illinois, if I remember. Wisconsin, Illinois. In 2007 or 2008, I was watching TV while I was in Mississippi for Hurricane Katrina doing my lawyering duties. Okay. And I was typing an email to a, a coworker at the time in one of my cases. And in the background, they had a news program about her disappearance. And as I was typing on a computer somewhere, this laptop in front of me filming us, all of a sudden messages from her started popping in through the email. And I was like, what's going on? I'm not familiar with this. So anyway, long story short, I meditated, picked up on on her sufficiently enough. And I sent a letter to the police up there and they never did anything with it either. And so those are my two examples. Otherwise, no, (laughs) no other interactions with police for missing cases or anything like that. Okay, because the reason why I say this is a lot of people think of, and for you, I, I'm going to give you my feedback on the, the psychic end of it real quick. A lot of people think of psychics as coming in at the tail end of uh, cold cases or, you yeah. know, murder, you know, whatever. There's an aspect to police work, which is right at the very, very beginning when they don't know exactly where to look. Is it like, are we looking local 
or should we expand out our range of where we're looking for? Okay. And I mean, I've gotten contacted again, unofficially because I understand. For, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you can't reveal is, if an active investigation. You can't at the them. very beginning when somebody's gone missing, very, very beginning. Is it, are we looking in the right place or are we too narrow or do we need to expand? And I don't know. I feel like that you would be so good for that. So you know what? Ev- yes, because believe I have to not- tell you something. My best friend right now, she's going to listen to this episode because she runs her shop and she's busy and she has her own podcast. I'm going to tell her, listen to Marlene at about an hour and so change because uh-huh. she's like X because Megan's been saying the same thing to me for a while as well. Really? See? Yeah. yeah. See, this yeah. is the universe saying, hey, they're talking on the shoulder. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Synchronicity. Yes, yes, I, yes. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the insight. I'm, I'm open. I'm an open book. I'm open to whatever the universe provides to me that they that the universe feels my opportunities are, you know, I'm, I'm very, sometimes, let me tell you something. Sometimes in those cases, if the person is deceased, it doesn't make a, a difference in the sense of finding them alive, but it's the sense of being able to find them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Closure, giving, giving continuity and closure to a situation. Or, you know, for those families that sometimes, especially uh, it's better. I hate to say it as, as horrible as it is. It's better than not knowing if that's what it turns out to be, or, or sometimes it's just knowing they found the person, you know, that, that family can go, okay. Or whatever the case might be, but you would be great at that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I do like the missing people thing. I I just, I don't want people to think that we're doing it for publicity. Like I Mm -hmm. legitimately pick up on the people that they ask about and I come up with the stuff and I take it very seriously. Like my best friend calls it Nancy boo, because she comes over, (laughs) we'll watch TV and then we do our research. There's a lot of research after I picked up on stuff. Like we created our theory and then we went back and watched other shows. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this matches. There was a show that came out three years after, like so last year. And the details that we came out with for our theory that we sent the letter to police in Orlando, right. the, the newer show, we watched it a few months ago. And I was just like, wait a minute. This is hey. like the details that we're picking up on. And now it's in another program and it's about it's to so it's crazy. It's like validating in a very interesting way. And the other missing person I was telling you about for Peterson, mm-hmm. she told me basically that she was buried underneath the gymnasium of an elementary school, probably three blocks from the house where she used to live. It's and very possible. So, absolutely. And I picked up on that not only 10 years ago, then I revisited it with newer information, meditation, whatever. And I, was, I found out she told me she was in the plumbing area because she always hears the toilets flush from the gym where uh-huh. her remains are. She's okay. not happy about her remains, but she's just wanting to know that her body is in fact underneath that macadam of that gymnasium. He planted it there because he's a police officer and he knew that they were putting a, an addition to the building. Of course. I was going to tell well, you, if you, oh. if that's, if think about it, what is, what a great hiding place for a body. Let's face it, think between, about it. And between the plumbing, because between the plumbing, it's going to be harder for them to, to go in that area to find her body because of the plumbing, you yeah. know. I'm it's not it's sure one of those places like, as you know, you have sometimes you say, oh, well, years later, they found somebody stumbled over skeletal remains because they were in the bush, whatever. And then they backtrack and they get dental, whatever. But in a place like that, that's really, really, really difficult to, you know, that was probably somebody who premeditated. Absolutely. Oh, for and sure. Already he, knew so, where to stash story. You know what? Have you, are you familiar at all with the Doe Network? No. Okay. If you have a chance, D-O-E. That's where they have listed all the um, uh, basically 
the cold cases, but they also have lists of victims that they've never been able to identify. I, I need to introduce you to Megan sometime. You, you, she is so passionate about this stuff too. And mm-hmm. she, like, if, I mean, she's a jewelry designer and all these, she's psychic too, but I'm telling you when it, the passion that I hear off your yes. energy too, I love yes. this. Go tell, go to the Doe Network because people on there sometimes will, uh, people contribute, especially to, uh, believe it or not, a lot of the cold cases have been resolved sometimes through people on the Doe Network. Wow. Okay. Because you can go in there and um, as a matter of fact, uh, back in 1970 something, this was in Texas, a little town in Texas, young guy gets mowed down by traffic. He's, he's crossing barefoot in jeans uh, while he's busy, like six lane highways in Texas. That's right next to this little town. I can't remember what the name of it is. Back in 1970 something. They, since he was freshly killed, they they had a great sketch, had a photograph. They had a sketch. They tried so hard to ID this. They they thought he was a late teener, teenager, whatever, very young, longish hair, 70s, barefoot, only had jeans on. They could not find anybody that could ID him. They tried and they tried. The people, the little town, Finally buried him, you know, on their dime. So sad. Find him. 2000, I want to say 10 years ago, 12, in that area. One of the people in the Doe Network started working on that, started researching, researching, researching. Finally, of course, with DNA. And basically, you know, when you start taking the time, which unfortunately they wouldn't do it back then or couldn't, whatever the case might be. They kind of narrowed it down, I think, to three. And of course, they had taken some, wow. some DNA because, of course, he was just killed. He was, um, you know, they can exhume the body. It's not like now, you know, a lot of these um, unclaimed bodies, they, the, the ME burns them. They incinerate yeah. them, even though they do take DNA. They do. Um, they were to exhume him. They matched him. He was, his family was from Mississippi. And he was like, a, he was kind of a troubled kid. And his family never knew what happened to him ever. And years ago, 50 years ago. uh Uh-huh. Exactly. His mom had already passed away and he has some siblings that were still alive. Nobody ever knew what happened to him. He was kind of wild child kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they would say that every, he would call his mom like once or twice a month. He would stay in touch with her and then come home and then be gone. And then one day he, they just stopped hearing from him. Nobody ever knew what happened to him. And through DNA, they finally confirmed it that that was him. Um, and if I find the story, I'll email it to you. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, but it was people working on places like the Doe Network that takes the time to keep that where they find remains and they have no idea who this person is. See, I'll tell you this. I think that intuitive and psychic people could help in those kind of cases sure. over time. And if people can learn to trust it more, I feel like we're in a spiritual awakening right now. I think we're yes. in a renaissance. After yes. the COVID thing and everything going forward right now, I feel like our society and everything we've been through in 2020 and 2019, I feel like now people are starting to reassess things and looking at things from a spiritual point yes, of view. Yes, but I'm more spiritual more than, than ever, right? It's and like, so, you know, not not the one, you know, before what, what was it, the, the, what was it, the one with the most toys? And it's like, okay, I don't need that many toys. I realize now it's like there's a, more, <laughs> there's a spiritual aspect that's more enriching than that per se, as far as being happy. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, exactly. So that's but yeah, great. I'm going to send you that story and the thing, look it up and your friend, you can find a lot of cold cases, by the way, that have never gotten any type of uh, publicity. Some I mean, we, old. we would sit on the couch and she would be like, she would say, okay, Erica, and what do you get? 
And I would kind of pick up stuff and then she'd be like, yes, you did actually disappear by the ocean. You were saying that you felt the beach, like different things like that. Right. And exactly. And that's, like believe it or not, that's how you do that's it. That's how you, in other words, that's how you do it without overanalyzing it. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes oh, yeah. we talk ourselves out of our intuition because we overanalyze it. You got to put your ego it. out of the way. I mean, that's what makes a psychic person who does a profession yes. versus someone who dabbles in it on the side privately in their living room is the comfort of what you're getting and not doubting yourself and being able to be assertive and sharing that with other people with confidence. Right. And also you have to recognize that that intuition, it talks to you in symbols. That's how we see that. If I tell you the word trash can, do you see the word trash can or do you see a trash can? See a trash can. You see a trash can. The, the meaning this we attach to the word. We, that's when, when you were talking about that thing about dream time when we sleep, yes. sometimes we have these vivid dreams. Sometimes it's your subconscious talking to you. It's not, but basically we see things, we understand things through our brain and intuition and what you want to call it is in symbols, you know, and after a while you start fine tuning it and you see, and I'm sure you've seen some psychics who say, when I see this, I know it means this. Yeah. And for everybody, it's different. I tell That's how like, mediumship is. Mediumship, right. I tell people it's like I'm playing charades with the people who come through to the person who's my recipient because they'll come through with different images or different residual exactly. memories or words or whatever it is. And I'll bring that up. But that symbolism is very individual to you or to whoever the person is. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, you show somebody a tiger and to the to that person, it's a man eater. I'm scared of it. And you show a tiger to another person, the symbolism, it's it's an animal of power and beautiful. So symbolism is different to each psychic or whoever's getting that impression. Definitely. And I think that once you exercise it, you start fine tuning it to, hey, when I see this in my brain, whoever's trying to communicate with me. You're an interpreter. Trying, aren't we interpreters? We're spiritual yes, interpreters. Yes, but they're trying to interpret it we... in your language uh, because exactly. that's your that's your that's the way your brain works. And uh, the, they kind of tune in like this person, if they can't hear me clear audiently, then but I can send something to them that will. Um, and, and it's really surprising, Jason, because sometimes a lot of these people that have passed on, all they want is to be acknowledged. They just want to be able to say their story. Believe it or not, sometimes what's holding them back a little bit is that I just want to say this happened to me. And it's like, that's like what releases them sometimes. Of course. And that's just an outlet and you can give them that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't than, have to be like that. The, the case is resolved and, yeah, yeah. you know, and everything is neat. Sometimes it's just that acknowledgement. Like I understand what happened to you. I, I, I understood what you were trying to say. And that I, kind I, of releases them. I love this interview today. This has been a lot. This has been great. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Like I want to do more. <laughs> yeah. So look you. up the Doe Network. Like I said, you, I will. I'm sure that I you will. guys would find a lot of cases there that uh, you, like I said, if even if resolution or that you never find out what comes of your feedback, maybe even to law enforcement, uh, that you can communicate, you know, and basically set them free if they're caught on this side. That'd be great to do for sure. Anything we do to bring healing to this world and any methodology, Absolutely. any approach, helping, you know, the deceased heal, helping yes. our current brethren and, and colleagues on this planet heal it's, yes. it's, and help ourselves. Like it's all about that. And in every episode I have, I learned something new. I've learned about dough. I've learned about your amazing background and career. Yeah. I've gotten some great insight on so many different areas of it, of something I, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of before our episode. Sure. I thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. No, it was been my pleasure. Life path and just being amazing. I, I just I get a, a natural runner's endorphins high talking to you right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. 
Me too. So, and it's all yeah. about making connections, right? I mean, you Absolutely. make great connections and the next thing you know, I, I feel really like strongly like that every interview I do, I learn some little gem. Of course, of course. And dissemination of information. That's what we want, you know, Absolutely. because for those other, whether it's somebody listening to for, for uh, entertainment purposes or a, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? A psychic in the closet or somebody? Yes, that's been- I actually, I actually was on an episode for someone else's show in Arizona last week. And the title of it was coming out of the psychic closet. We there you go. It's like, that's a process out. for everybody who's intuitive. And what if you live in, in the middle of the country where there's not a lot of acceptance of being overly yeah. expressive about you? I mean, that. sometimes it's not even the town. It's, it could even be your own family. Yes. <laughs> That'll sure. be like, your house. be quiet. Hey, I, I think uh, Aunt Marty is going to die. <laughs> Shut up, girl. <laughs> I have to ask you this last question. Sure. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Elephant. And why? That's my totem. I love it. So you came prepared. You're, you're, yes. you're, that's beautiful. I'm an that's owl. That's my totem. I say you owl are? Okay. Because yeah, I have yes. two parents. I'm in the birds a lot, but more spiritualized uh, wisdom. I always quest for wisdom and I'm always interested in seeing things from a broader point of view and not just looking at things that are, you know, right, obviously in front of you. And so that gives me the ability to think that I probably definitely want to be a spirit animal of an owl. Yes. But you know what? Some big owls out here have decapitated my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I could be fierce. I might oh, be wise, absolutely, man. but hey, I could be fierce. I've got owls out here that are huge. They're bigger than eagles. And wow. before I learn, I you know, when the dusk is falling, you hear them out there. Hoo, 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 and it's like, oh, God. And before I knew what was going on, I lost a couple of my chickens. Uh, by the way, that's what they take. They take the head. So yeah, <laughs> but part. yes, I love that. Wow. I love that symbolism. Absolutely, the owl. Yes, I get it. I'm gonna, I just want to thank Marlene for coming on the show today and sharing her unique and amazing insight. And her, I mean, it, it was a treat today to have somebody who has such a broad, expansive knowledge of spirituality and who has made her talents come together, being a writer and performing in. TV stuff with uh, Paranormal Survivor and uh, Haunted Hospitals. I think you're going to see you're going to see Marlene on, on TV a lot more in the future. There's a resurgence in these kind of shows. I think the public at large has a strong curiosity for the paranormal, paranormal investigations, psychics, spirituality, all that. And I know that's that's something that is going to continue through the coming years. The thing I'd like to share with our audience that Marlene has impressed upon me is that. You know, there's some glamorous aspects on TV when there's sensationalization of investigations and whatnot. In real life, I think it's more of a standard kind of like, I'm not going to say Maytag repairman waiting for a, a spiritual experience, but I think it's a different type of situation than what's been portrayed on the TV screen or on video. So keep that in mind when you watch these shows. They're entertaining. And yes, there's great entertainment out there and there's a lot of great opportunities out there but just keep in mind that not all paranormal shows are equal and 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 investigate when you're actually looking at these shows how close to reality are they you can always google the location they bring up or you can research you know imdb and all these things have a lot of details and a lot of information for those of you who are interested in wanting to be your own paranormal investigator i think from our conversation today i'd recommend that you do some research and that you involve yourself with people who are experienced in this kind of stuff because you don't want to have a situation follow you home and then haunt you for 18 months or cause you to have some really negative situations in your personal life 
I really like that we have these amazing stories that Marlene has put out there. Stories of the supernatural and her Stranger Than Fiction uh, series. And, and I, there's going to be a lot more coming up. I, I, see, I don't think that there's anything in Marlene's path that she can't overcome and do in her future and be successful in everything she's going to do. I think you're going to continue to see that success. And I, I thank her for sharing not only her psychic intuitive gifts, her stories, her anecdotes, but her experience and knowledge. And, and that just makes me real appreciative. Check out her website. Check her out on Amazon. Look at her information and, and enjoy this stuff because there's more of it coming. And I'm smiling because I really do enjoy this podcast and everything I get to do with it. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Stay positive because when you're positive, everything is possible. And thank you so much for Marlene for being Thank you for listening this to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.